Welcome to the Two Girls, One Puck podcast. Today brought to you by Power of Gatorade. Where did the Gatorade come from? Holding one. <laughs> oh, is that our like, hey Gatorade, sponsor us pitch? I, I don't know. I guess it could be. It's a pretty pathetic pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably sh- shouldn't share that I hate Gatorade. No, probably not. Although I, dr- I drank it when I was severely dehydrated while you, septic so yeah when you post sepsis super rude super rude by the oh way. i'm sorry i'll try harder next time super rude uh so today we have a we have a strict schedule we have we have minutes we are so far not abiding by those we forgot to include how long our intro would be but i think that we can almost be done if we let you know that Today we are going to talk about a few things. The biggest one is, of course, the NWHL cutting players' salaries. After that, we're going to talk about the expansion draft and the Vegas Golden Knights. Then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some health issues for some NHL and AHL hockey players. And then, of course, finer things in life. Okay, so let's get to it. As most of you have probably heard, since we are not a particularly timely podcast, uh, the NWHL has at least halved player salaries in the last week. What, November 18th, I think, was when that happened. There were some salary cuts as high as 65%. And just just for reference, uh, don't don't forget that up until this point, the minimum minimum salary in the NWHL was 10 grand, and the maximum was 25. And so now the minimum salary is $5,000 instead of $10,000, and that's for a part-time but pretty significant commitment of like half a year. Madison Packer talked a little bit about the cuts and gave a really good explanation, which has to do with the percentage you make of the salary cap on each team. We have a $270,000 salary cap per team. Of that $270,000, I contracted for $15,000, which is about 5.5%. So now we're getting a total of $5,000 per game per team. She'll make 5.5% of that $5,000. Whatever percentage of the whole salary cap a player was making, they will now make of the $5,000. I believe that what she means by that is that they're now being paid on a per game basis mm-hmm. or no. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, I believe yeah. that's correct. That they're being played on a per game basis. The only positive thing about this is that players are still receiving their percentage of merchandise sales. So if you buy um, jerseys or jerseys with a player's name on them, they will still get whatever percentage they got before, but that's not a lot of money. No, not, not a significant amount. Uh, I would like to mention, because it really makes me mad, uh, that only the player salaries were cut. The coaches and management salaries were not touched, and the NWHLPA, God, that's difficult to say, was not included in the decision cut the players' salaries. Danny Ryland just announced it to, I believe, the team managers who then shared it with the players themselves. I think what is odd about this, though, is that the NWHLPA was not included in a lot of things to do with this. So yes, they weren't included in the decision to cut players' salaries, but the players also didn't use the NWHLPA when responding to the cuts. So what happened was after 
and WHL announced this. Some of the players posted on Twitter a list of demands, and their demands were in brief. They wanted proof of valid insurance, which the NWHL did later prove. They wanted to have an independent third party audit the league's finances. They wanted the league to tell the players the identity of the investors, and they wanted an explanation as to why the league's revenues diminished so drastically. I have thoughts on that. I assume you do too, Emily. Yeah, no, I think those are all pretty understandable concerns, especially the the third-party audit. It's interesting because I actually disagree on that one the most, the third-party audit. I understand why they want it, but I think they are not understanding how much it costs to do a financial audit. And if the league is already in financial jeopardy, I don't know that that's the best use of remaining money. Who is going to pay for that audit? Because if the league is paying, then they're going to probably have to give further cuts. Right. And, and, that, and that makes sense. And maybe that's not something that should be happening right now. So I don't think it's going to change much at the moment. I still think could happen in the off season. Right. Could happen in the off season. If they have one. It might be that isn't permanent, right? For the permanent right. I, I think the players really do, however, deserve to know the identity of the I agree. And an explanation of why the league's revenues diminished. So it sounds like the revenue didn't actually diminish so quickly. It's just that the league sort of refused to believe the projected finances going into this season because I think they knew going in that they were only having Dunkin' Donuts come back as a major sponsor. Mm. Um, and they knew that ticket sales were down in advance. Right, because they didn't have as many people picking up. You know, and I uh, picking up season numbers. Season tickets, yeah. I also think that part of that may have had to do with the fact that three of the four arenas changed. Yeah. What's interesting, I know New York the best as a city, so I can obviously speak best to that. The New York Riveters moved to the New Jersey Devils practice facility, and that's not a hard place to get to, but if you are a New Yorker, the idea of going to New Jersey for anything just seems very far. I know many people for whom going to New Jersey to see a game is actually closer than going to the old Riveters arena, but it doesn't matter. Right, you have to go to Jersey to do it. Well, and what does it mean to have a New York-named team playing in New Jersey? Not incorrect, but I suppose it's the team that offered them the practice space. I'm sort of surprised that that fell apart with the uh, Rangers. But, well, that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> which I think we're, we're working on getting to. I will say, Dunkin' uh, Donuts made an additional $50,000 donation, which is only to go to player salaries. So good on you, Dunkin' Donuts. I will continue eating and drinking your products. It is good. I'd be curious, though, how much that actually helps. I mean, I could easily have worked this out beforehand, and I didn't, but I don't know what that ends up giving to each player. Yeah. I mean, you know, it seems pretty small. In a league of like 100, what, there's 23 rostered players per team, 20 rostered players per team, right? About that? Ish, yeah. Ish. So that's not a lot of money. You know, it's 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 under a thousand bucks, which is still better than going from ten thousand to five. Like ten thousand to five thousand and ten thousand to six thousand are very different numbers, but still. I want to move to talk a little bit about two different 
concepts. One, what is the NWHL's future? And two, what could have been done to prevent this? With the knowledge that neither of us are insiders, and so we know less information this is all than others might, or analyzing what information has been shared. Informed. Um, one thing I really quick want to get to, I noticed this status last night, this Twitter status, um, from Christina Rutherford, who's a really, really solid hockey correspondent. You know, we talk about how does the 50% pay cut in the NWHL affect the players? For Harrison Brown, it means moving back to Canada. He's going to commute for the rest of the season. I don't know where Harrison is from in Canada. But presumably the greater Toronto area. Presumably, since he plays for the Sabres. Still, that's just... Yeah, they can no longer, like, he and teammates can no longer afford their rent. I can't imagine what that's like for the players living in Boston, who have potentially, and New York, who have potentially slightly higher rent than Buffalo. Yeah. I think you could just read your, your notes for this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think perhaps not. I, I am not a, an episode prepper the way Emily is, because I, 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 I guess I just keep it in my head. Your no. notes are pretty good. Is this going to kill the league? Probably. <laughs> yep. All right. So in terms of prevention, I would say there are a few things. From the start, people were wondering if perhaps Danny Ryland was in a little over her head financially, mostly in the sense that perhaps she was being a bit too ambitious in expecting to be able to pay players the amount that she was with the amount of funding that she said she had. So I think to start, perhaps they should have paid players less, which is not ever sort of the explanation you want. But I do think that it would have helped prevent this because the league could have built up and had profit rather than what it sounds like, which is that they probably didn't have profits. And most new businesses don't, at least for the first couple years. So I just wonder if everyone should have been paid less. I don't just mean the players. But with the financials seeming so unstable to start, that might have been a good a good way to help prevent this? I definitely don't disagree. It's pretty disturbing to think that it went away, that this all went away so, it seemed seemingly so quickly. You know, you have to, you have to, for a league that, that spoke about being transparent and about you know, paying the players and, and being a relatively open league so we could see what was going on, they haven't done that. And not only have they not done that for the public, which frankly is fine, I mean, as much as I wish I knew the inner workings of the NWHL so that I could talk them on my, po- on my podcast. They're a private organization. They don't have to share their financials. They don't have to share how they function. They don't, but they should with their players, right? Like that's a small, I mean, it essentially amounts to being a relatively small company. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard because I think that you want sort of key stakeholders to know how a company functions. And it's hard to know who is considered a key stakeholder when it's in such a different arena than either of us has ever worked. That said, there have been a number of other things that came out during last season, I believe, about former employees or former board members, something suing. And there is still a case right now against the league related to the finances. I wish I remembered better what that was, but I don't. But still, like there was sort of concern about the league's finances from the start. And I think that it's hard to be on the league's side when there's been so much concern in a very short period of time. Yes, definitely. 
been a lot of really big problems in the not very long and not terrifically auspicious, it seems, inaugural season and beginning of their yeah. sophomore season. I was going to say a few other things to prevent it. I mean, one, I think the league should have expected that they were going to have there's going to be greater interest in the first year of something. There's the, what one of my coworkers calls, ooh, shiny factor, which is like, it's new, it's interesting, it's exciting, a paid women's league, everyone wants to go. And in the second year, it's not as exciting. They've already seen it. It's already happened once. Right. Well, so in, in, in the, the league ran with that. The whole, the whole season, they were operating with the hashtag history begins. You know, that was absolutely something that they marketed. I also question. I don't know. I'm not in marketing, but why was the league unable to get more financial sponsors? I know that they got a TV deal in the Northeast. I know they have Dunkin' Donuts. I don't know if they got that TV deal again this year. I think it might have fallen through one of the forms of revenue um, that fell apart, although I'm not sure because, again, we don't know really much of anything except what Danny Ryland has told us which is very little and what we can glean yeah. from the players which is not significantly more than that which right. I suspect is more because they don't know it and not because they haven't said on to topics of my interest Hillary Knight well wait we didn't talk about the future oh that's the future I think there's a lot of doubt as to whether or not the league can make it through this not just from financially can they make it through, but has essentially has the PR been so bad? And it's not helped by the fact that at the end of last season, they were sort of allowing reports that they were going to be setting up teams in Montreal and Toronto and have essentially with collecting, with getting players, particularly national team players from the CWHL. And with that, um, I would say perhaps uh, poor decision-making during the playoffs last year with regards to the CWHL up, yeah. burned a lot of bridges that yeah. could be really helpful right now. Yeah, it's interesting too, because I think a lot of people have been asking, well, can't they merge with the CWHL? And basically the short answer is no. <laughs> they could, but it would be in the very distant future because the CWHL, they set up a financial model so that they could be sustainable long-term. And that is why their players still haven't been paid. And I think they're in their 10th season this year because they wanted to build up enough revenue and enough interest that, that they could actually sustain paying these players once they started. So they sort of started with the exact opposite business model of the NWHL. And they're in their 10th season. And here we are talking about the NWHL, wondering if they're going to make it through their second so not to cast any aspersions or judgments this early, but... It makes one wonder about the financial model on which the NWHL was built. I also think with the CWHL, you know, they, all of these plans that they've made are about having a five-team league. And they can't really add teams at this point without it completely throwing off the finances. Right. No, and that's and that's precisely something that they've considered, or or I think it would perhaps be more of the conversation. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else that we wanted to talk about related to this? I mean, I'm just curious what will happen, not just from a financial standpoint, but if this just harms their reputation so much that people that businesses no longer want to invest. Well, and and you know, what about the players? Right, a lot of 
particularly U.S. national team players, left the CWHL uh, with a bit of a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah, it seems like... It seems like the players might be able to go back to the CWHL. I don't think that they necessarily burnt bridges. I think the league, you know, was harmful, but I don't think the players themselves necessarily had that problem. Look at Hillary Knight. I mean, she was very publicly going around promoting the NWHL while she was technically still under contract in the CWHL. Yeah, I think, though, that if the CWHL wants to be successful having the best players in the world is going to help that not hurt that even if true they have that sort of situation and in the case of the boston blades it would seriously improve parity yeah they got really bad when the whl started well it's weird how having like half the olympic team leave your team does that it's like oh well like you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins wouldn't be very good if everyone who was on an international Olympic team <laughs> suddenly left. Because there goes, goes Phil Kessel. You don't need to name all them. <laughs> um, Actually, Phil Kessel might not might not be on any uh, Olympic teams anymore after the after the things that he said. Although they might change their minds because of how horribly they lost in the World Cup of Hockey. God, that was funny. I will say, though, I don't think that the players are going to be barred from playing in the CWHL in general. I think that especially because the CWHL is planning to start paying players next season, that is an option for them. Having a second professional women's league meant that players who wouldn't have made the CWHL got to play. So you're going to lose those people. Like, they're going to stop having a career. Right, unless they keep them around as practice, which I don't, and I don't know how the CWHL does that. And that was one of the questions that we both had about when they announced that the player salaries were being halved. Was I can't find anything that says information beyond this, but I wondered, you know, they have about each team has between six and eight practice players, and I can only see that they're paid on a per game basis, which means they have to play, and I don't know if they just get paid for practicing. Well, and if they're being paid on a per-game basis, then that really changes our next topic point, which is Hillary Knight essentially healthy scratching herself uh, and no longer um, no longer traveling with the team because that means that she's not being paid. And the question is, does that mean that the money that would have been used for her salary is going to other players? I don't know. I certainly hope so. Who knows? I... But I brought up the point of... Is it actually good for Knight to do this, to sort of take this moral stand? Is that actually going to harm her hockey because she's not going to be playing as much? Right, precisely. And, you know, I sort of think that Hillary Knight's probably got the resources to practice on a fairly regular basis. And I don't suspect that Brianna Decker and Michelle Duggan are going to be too mad at her for doing this. Um, But I guess, is she going to be playing competition at this level? Right, well, and and I guess the, the... the simple answer to that is no. Um, I do wonder how this affects the personal brands of the players who are, if they if they jump ship, especially NWHL players who are on the U.S. Olympic team. If you bail on a floundering American-based league to jump back to a Canadian league because they're going to pay you next season, how does that look? You know, I, of course, I don't, I don't have the answers to this, but I, I wonder if that's something that comes into the making because I know that, you know, it, especially for Hillary Knight, brand is a, is a pretty big deal. She's got a lot of sponsorships. I don't know that it would affect anything, but I don't have any 
backup, but instinct to say that. Um, but I will say that if Hillary Knight isn't playing, that's going to affect her sponsorship money. Right. Yeah, she's not. But then again, yeah, well, it's, it's hard to it's hard to know. It's it's really hard. This is pretty unprecedented. I also, I mean, when I heard about this and heard about Hillary Knight's actions specifically, I kept thinking about when the league was first announced and she was really gung-ho about the NWHL and trying to get other players to join her in switching over. I remember her saying something along the lines of, I really hope this works out because I've sort of talked it up to so many people. Yeah. Well, that, and, and I was like, <laughs> that's sort of what I mean is that she's really put a lot of her personal brand into this league. And you can't really say that. I mean, you know, absolutely Casey Bellamy. And, and now that Amanda Kessel is back, thank God, oh, Amanda Kessel are, are playing for the NWHL. I don't think you can say that Knight is quite the face of the league, the way that she was last season, but she's still the most, famous women's hockey player in the U.S. Other than maybe Julie Chu, but obviously she's currently based in Montreal. She retired from the national team. She's not going to do international play anymore beyond U.S. Canada because CWHL is U.S. Canada. That's why I clarified that. Anyway, we are getting long on this, so I just want to get to a couple other things, which is, I mean, you sort of touched on it with that tweet about Harrison Brown, but I'm curious about how many players will end up just quitting altogether because they can no longer financially afford to keep playing because it's a pretty big time commitment. Yes, it's part time, but it's not. Still, it's you can't hold that insignificant five necessarily do this. Right, because you have to be able to travel. And then I would also. We also wanted to ask a little bit about do we think do we think that the NHL, the WIHF, or any other like professional hockey associations have a responsibility to help? And do any players, men's players, have any responsibility to help? You know, is yeah. there? You know, what's Phil Kessel think about this? I'd love to pick his brain. And I mean, I would I stand on the side of I don't think that they have a responsibility. And I think that, frankly, it's highly unlikely that NHL will help at all. Um, oh, yeah. Gary, they don't think the NHL wants to get involved. They don't, they don't do anything. Say what you will about Gary Bettman. He turned the NHL into a financial success. And a lot of that is based on spending his, like, keeping his money within his own league. I could see going to teams instead, maybe, and mm-hmm. and see if, you know, you could get the Buffalo Sabres to help sponsor the Buffalo Buttes. Well, yeah, especially teams that are, that are cash rich. You know what I mean? I don't know. I feel like, God, am I right in thinking that the New York Riveters are based in like what the second biggest hockey market in the country? Is that, am I, I feel like they've got stuff going on there. I say yes. The one, the one problem with this though, is there is no Connecticut NHL team. And so who would help with the Connecticut whale? True. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, that would go well. They're a huge financial success. No, uh, and they just fired their coach tonight. So oh. there's there's topical information for you. Yeah, yeah, actually, Gerard Gallant was fired this evening. Yeah, that like, doesn't surprise like me. After they lost um, the Florida Panthers, I'm sorry, Carolina didn't fire their coach. Florida fired their coach in Carolina after losing to Carolina. So Gerard Gallant was fired, and the pictures were taken of him leaving with his bags on a taxi from PNC Arena. And, uh, in Raleigh? That is, yeah, that's where Carolina Hurricanes are. Raleigh. Ooh, that's harsh. Yeah. 
right? That's what I thought. I'm like, wow, he didn't get to leave the arena. Yowza. We have spent far too long in this, but ultimately it's just a huge bummer. <laughs> you know, we want the NWHL to remain financially viable. I think it's hard because it's hard to want to put personal, like it's hard for me to want to buy more merch and do things like that if it is going to a league that seems so unstable. Well, it's more for me going to a league that I question the ethics of their financial practices. Yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, these jerseys will be collector's items if this league becomes defunct, which is, you know, so screw it, especially if some of the money goes to the players. But I'm not sure that I want to give money to a league when I don't know, you know, I don't necessarily need to know what they're doing with their money, but I need to know that the players are being taken care of. And that is absolutely not happening right. in WHL right I also think there's something to be said about perhaps this is why you should have the person who is the face of your organization, not also be the person who's essentially responsible for the finances. Yeah. Danny Ryland isn't, doesn't have a background that would lead to her having been someone you should trust with the finances of a huge right. league. And what's frustrating is she seems to have independent money and so she's not going to be harmed if this league doesn't work out yeah clearly this is not while this might be her baby it's not something that her livelihood depends on right. unlike many of the players whose salaries she just cut all right yeah expansion draft time uh there is a 31st nhl team hooray or whatever there will be the vegas golden knights welcome to the league your primary logo looks like magneto's helmet Sorry. Secondary logo is pretty creative. I can dig it. Now I also understand why Pittsburgh got rid of the Vegas gold as a color in their jerseys this year. There was some talk on Twitter about why they're called the Vegas Golden Knights and not the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Um, it's because most people just call it Vegas, I think. I mean, I also wonder if there is a piece of them that is like, we're going with a two-word team name. Perhaps we don't need to have four words that people have to say. Right. Like, like Las Vegas Golden... Oh, they're my favorite. But Las Vegas Golden Knights does not exactly trip off the tongue. Yeah. No, you're just worried about tripping over it as you say it. No, so Vegas Golden Knights. I like it. It's so little boring, but sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. It's, oh, they went into some, if you read the actual press release, they went into great detail about the warrior class. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <clears throat> Machismo, masculinity, huzzah, out of my face and goodbye. Yeah. Uh, I only care because that means I can go watch hockey games when I go to Vegas, if I go to Vegas. I don't go to Vegas. <laughs> I was just about to ask. I was like, when you go to Vegas? Because you go all the time. Because all the time. Weekend trips. It means that we now have one more team in the Pacific next season. It's true, which is good. We're, we're working towards balance in the leagues. Uh, I think it might also, there has been some talk of Carolina moving to Quebec, which I think is more likely to happen now since it's not going it, to, since it wouldn't be throwing off balance east-west. Anyway, that's not. We wanted to just talk a tiny bit about the expansion draft um, just because the league announced the list of exempt players or rather the players that the teams have to protect right yes and it caused uh some some surprises and some sort of sad giggles we have notes on here that, that just say poor columbus 
and Rick Nash, which I really think is all you need to say about that. I will say the sad, the reason why I wrote Poor Columbus is because David Clarkson has to be protected. The Penguins are in a bit of a pickle. They have to protect Marc-Andre Fleury because he's got a no-trade clause. And they have to leave one goalie unprotected, but Matt Murray is the only one who's trade eligible. Right. So they have to either, or they have to see if they can get Fleury to agree to a trade. Or they work out a deal with Vegas Vegas to agree to not take not take Matt Murray and take Flurry after the trade. Well, or to draft Matt Murray and take somebody else on the team. You know what? Make somebody else available. Agree to do a trade that's going to happen in the future. I have the utmost confidence that GM Jar will uh, figure this out for us because the idea of Mark Andre Flurry not being a Penguin anymore um, destroys my very being. I really don't think he's going to be a Penguin anymore, no matter what. Like, he may not be Vegas' goalie, but he's not going to be the Penguins' goalie next season, I don't think. I have no... I'm not upset at all. I know you're not, because you don't like the Penguins. That's fine. I'm upset. An interesting thing is that no one is required to be protected by the Sharks. Would you like to borrow a goalie? Not Marc-Andre Fleury. We can take Matt Murray, sure. No. Actually, anyone can because he doesn't have a no trade or no move clause. It's true, because he's on an entry level contract. Because <laughs> he is a baby child. Yep. Sure makes it easy. The Sharks get to have their pick of players. Also, you know, they do have a few people whose contracts are up at the end of the year. So depending on when they re sign, I don't know if that'll help. I mean, I don't think Patrick Marlowe is going to be re signed by the Sharks, but I think Joe Thornton will be. Yeah, you gotta figure they're gonna. And we know that Brent Burns was. We're talking. I wish you guys could see her face right now. It's beautiful. Um, she's just so. I'm overcome with joy. You can't hear it in my voice, but it's there. Anyway, uh, also Chicago has to protect approximately the entire NHL. A mere eight players out of their total. I asked why they list Artem Anisimov as needing protection because he'll only have skated two years in the NHL. So isn't he counting as a rookie or is it that they count it as having played in any professional league? I don't know. As far as I can go uh, to quote Steve Dangle, this is all voodoo wizardry and bullshit for the expansion draft rules. So not even sure the GMs understand them. So that's, the one thing I will say that was very interesting coming out of this list was that it became very clear that a number of players had some details in their contracts that had never been shared with the public. That's fun. Like Jordan Stahl has to be protected. And I don't think that anyone knew that he had any sort of no trade or no move clause. It doesn't surprise me that moved there to live with his brother and then his brother proceeded to go play for the Rangers and then the Minnesota Wild. So now all the Stahl brothers are on different teams again. Womp womp. Uh, I am glad to see that Eric Stahl is having a bit of a renaissance of his career in Minnesota though. Good for him. Good for Bruce Boudreau. Uh, just don't beat the Avalanche too badly when you play him. It's embarrassing enough to watch that team hockey as it is. 
Brian Bickle was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um, last week, week before. Week before, I think. Obviously, all our best of wishes go out to Brian Bickle and his family. That's a pretty tough diagnosis. In any position, at least we know he's probably got decent health insurance. So good for him. You know, you have to wonder if he's going to come back to the league. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know because he he doesn't know when it developed, right? Like, the doctors don't know. So we don't know if his decline in play over the last few years was a result of multiple sclerosis or if he just started declining in play. And, and then developed multiple sclerosis. We don't right. know if it's causation or just correlation. The thing about MS is that, like, they have greatly improved medicine and can you can much much better manage it now but i think that's for a person who is not a professional athlete so it's a lot harder to play a professional sport with it than like work at a desk job yes i was about to make a really mean comment about the carolina hurricanes and being nhl caliber but i'm not that's terrible i don't like that why i didn't make it all right, you wanted to say something about a player I've never heard of. I just wanted to mention Craig Cunningham, so we were talking about Brian Bickle. Uh, he collapsed on the ice just before puck drop at a game between the Roadrunners and the San Antonio Rampage, maybe? Don't remember. Game was canceled, obviously. Uh, as far as I know, Craig is in critical but stable condition. It was just sort of good to mention that. Uh, Do they have any idea what happened? Not that's been released to the public. I think okay. family. Right. Um, They're allowed privacy. I'm yeah, just... yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good. Right. Um, so hope he's going to be okay because from what I've seen of the showing of oh, outpouring protection from around the league, various franchises that he's been involved in, he's a pretty stand-up guy. It's unfortunate to see that happen. Anyway. I was going to say, I mean, for the most part, I think that I would be sad if that happened to anyone, regardless of how much of a stand-up guy they are. All right, finer things. In case you guys didn't know, couldn't hear Clea speaking happily from wherever you are in the world. Uh, Fred Burns was re-signed by the San Jose Sharks. Uh, for, what, an $8 million AAV? Yeah. Clea doesn't care about how much money he's getting, although nope. he deserves at least $8 million, so that's good, good for him. Um, He's so good and so beardly. This is oddly reminiscent of that time I cried about Paul Martin. I'm not crying, though. No, you're not. Yeah, probably. I had a lot of feelings. I'm very, very happy for you. I'm very happy for the Sharks. I'm very happy for Brent Burns. I think this was a win-win-win situation. He's a stand-up dude. San Jose Sharks are a great team. And he's getting money that he deserves. So, that's good. Maybe he can... Yeah, I agree. 41? When that contract is up, so good luck trading. Wait, no. I don't think he's that old. Yeah, I think he's going to be like 41. No. It's like an eight-year contract. And hopefully he has to look up the details. I do, but I'm very hopeful that he uses the money that he... To buy more snakes. Yeah, well, I don't really like snakes a whole lot, but to buy more pets. You know, buy increase your zoo. Eight years, limited, no trade. Eight million a year. An average. So it's eight years, so he's going to be 40, right? So he's 32 or 33 now? 31. 31. Okay, so he's still... He'll be 39. Be, yeah, it's still old. 
I mean, that's not as bad as Shea Weber's contract. But it's Zidane Chara. Yeah. Hopefully he's better than Zidane Chara is now. Zidane has been kind of... He took a, he took a long I walk know. off the cliff. I think that's what happens when you reach that age, especially when you are a really physical defenseman. It's true. I was going to say, don't tell Yarmir Yager that. He's going to be 45 in a couple of months. Well... Well, but that's the other thing with Brent Burns is it's like it's not like you have to sign him as a in a certain position. So if it turns out that defense is too physical at the end, he could be moved to forward. Right, could play a solid third, fourth line forward there at the end of his career. Now that's a very fair point that I had forgotten to think about. Quick shout out to Harrison Brown, the first openly transgender professional hockey player. Way to fucking go, buddy! We're really proud of you over here at Two Girls One Puck. Like it's hard to come out as trans, and it's especially harder when you have any sort of platform. Yeah, no, you you are an incredibly brave human being. We are super fucking proud of you, and I'm really sorry that I'm not going to get to see you play this year. Although I did get to see you play last year, so that was exciting. I will also say one positive thing about the NWHL today, which is that I'm also really glad that they didn't take the cis sexist route that I would have expected. Which is um, to not let him play now that. Mm-hmm. Now that he's openly identifying as a man, yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty, that's pretty great. Good job, NWHL. That's you get plus one good person point today. Got like negative fifty earlier, yeah. but that's okay. Plus yeah. one is good. Anyway, we'd like to end on an article that I came across on Twitter. It was written a couple of weeks ago now, maybe even like three weeks ago. I don't even remember. It was a while, but it made me laugh so hard that I was crying at my cubicle when I was supposed to be working. Now, we all know that me crying is not a particularly special experience, but the fact remains that I was crying so hard, or I was laughing so hard I was crying, not crying so hard I was laughing, although I have done that too. Uh, and I would just like to read you guys some ex- excerpts from this particular article. Uh, it, the, the, reason that I, the reason that I want to read it is because... Uh, it, I think it just, it really fits so well with the message that Two Girls, One Puck is trying to project, which is to say, fuck the Blackhawks. Here we go. I really, I really suggest you read it. I will make sure to link, link to the full article in the podcast when we post it. But can I just say, um, if hockey gods bless Dave Lozo, why not the Blackhawks dead? Why haven't they caught the cyanide capsules and hail Hydra and the foam dribbled down their chins? Why are we still doing this? Is anyone happy about this recent turn of events that has them atop the West again? This isn't anything personal against the Blackhawks, but this is bullshit. One of the worst things about hockey in the past four years is how it was the Blackhawks and then the Kings and then everyone else. The same goddamn storylines, year in and year out. Then they both lost in the first round last year and looked like side-by-side dilapidated dildo factories to start the season, signaling that our long, boring nightmare was over. There's nothing likable about this team. They're not easy to but you certainly don't want to cheer for them. You've got pain, and fuck that guy, and fuck the NHL every time the oblivious idiots of the league put his face on the front of national marketing. What else is there? When Duncan Keith isn't breaking Jeff Carter's beautiful face, he's being a dick to a woman reporter in Vancouver. Jonathan Taves is a fine human being, and it's not his fault, but an orphan dies every time someone says he's better than Sidney Crosby, so his existence has resulted in the death of like 500 orphans, and he should shoulder some of the blame. What do we call that? Like dramatic readings with Emily? Yeah, I think that's what we call that. Do, right. Should I do more? Should I dramatically no, read more? I no, no, please no. I'm just really excited that I got to say dilapidated dildo factories. Yeah, you you did do that. 
All right. As we wrap up, I just want to let folks know, if you haven't noticed, we've been MIA. We're trying to figure out how we can work recording and editing into our very busy lives. We do really enjoy doing this podcast for whoever listens or just for ourselves. I think that we're going to try recording more like once a month, which I realize is not often at all, but seems like a manageable amount of editing (laughs) for two busy people to do. Yeah, it's been it's been tricky. I'm sorry that we've been so inconsistent lately. Uh, a lot of that blame falls on me. But we're going to try and be better about it for all five of you who listen to this. So thank you. Or if like any of you five is a producer or knows a producer, you know, just let us know. And wants to work for <laughs> zero dollars. I bake a pretty mean mini pie. Yeah, but I don't think you'd want to ship it. Probably. So if you live near Colorado, let us know. You've been listening to the Two Girls, One Puck podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes at Two Girls, One Puck, on Gmail and Tumblr at Two Girls, One Puck podcast, and on Twitter at TGOP podcast. That's T-G-O-P podcast. Thanks for listening.